Welcome to A Pint with Shawnee B coming to you from London. Should be from Dublin, actually, because I'm with one of my oldest friends, a guy I've known since I was 17. Um, we met in college. Uh, a lot of you have heard me say I never went to college. I didn't really. I went to a kind of a technical college that did an advertising course for a year. And I went into the class on the first day and it was full of women. And I was sitting on my own and curly-haired guy came in and he sheepishly sat down beside me and said looks like we're the only two guys in the class and we became fast friends and his name is gary cohen welcoming to the pint with shawnee b thank you sean we're doing it over two glasses of water we're ashamed to our nation to our, i know and again that's been a bit of a problem i yeah. i, I <laughs> one thing everyone asks me is are you all getting pissed and only in about 10% of them have. We will probably get pissed tonight, and we definitely are getting pissed tomorrow. Deal. Uh, Gary is a guy who is from similar background to me, South County, Dublin, born and bred. He actually, his family, I found out from your brother, first lived on my road. We lived in, in Shankill, that's right. No, yeah. you lived on Shrewsbury Lawn. In Shrewsbury Lawn. Very early, yeah. Very early. Yeah, and I lived right. on Shrewsbury Lawn. Did not know that. There you go. You learned something new on a pint with Shawnee B. Mm. Anyway, Gary also is an ad guy. He worked in the ad business. He's uh, worked in um, marketing. He's worked in media. And uh, he set up his own business. He's worked with bands. He's now working with bands in a, in a much more formal capacity. Tell us what you're doing right now. So at the moment, I work for a company called ATC here in London. And ATC manage about 50 artists in total um, Nick Cave PJ Harvey Faithless and then we have a live booking division who represent another 200 acts I'm brand partnerships director so I'm really there to source and manage artists relationships with brands and it's become as you know a fast growing area they're one of the first major management companies to bring that function in-house they yeah. wanted to be more proactive so it's artists. a it's a product of the collapsing music industry really isn't it you know artists um, artists 20 years ago apart from maybe the big michael jackson pepsi deals and all that mm. stuff if you started getting into the grubby world of advertising and brands it was always a sellout kind of situation you know there was a stigma involved there was yeah. a stigma involved, but now brands are going okay i'm not selling any records i've got to make money right yeah, I would look at it slightly differently. Sorry, that made it, me jaundiced. Well, I would think it's more a product of the collapse of the traditional advertising industry. Okay. Touché. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, it, I mean, the whole thing about brands is connected passion points. Mm, uh, that sounds like absolute bullshit to It does. Yeah. It, it is bullshit. Let's start but, conversations but, but, with her. But, uh, but essentially, music has become probably where sports was 10 or 15 years ago in terms of its value yeah. as a vehicle to connecting with consumers. Yeah. I had an agency say to me the other day, it's all about the thumb stop. You know, and, and well, the thumb stop is essentially when you're flicking through your timeline, oh, right. what is going to make you stop and press play yeah, on a yeah, piece yeah. of content. Very and little. Very little, yeah. but music is one of those things if yeah. it's done right. You're starting to see all this horrible over-dramatic clickbait headlines yeah. from shit-fucking publications yeah. that are click on them and there's like oh, 25 embarrassing photographs that you, you know and it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I just yeah. delete I just unfriend or whatever the hell I can yeah. do to get rid of them I mean you're close to all this where do you see it finding a equilibrium with users where we can start not hating the interruptions that we get from advertisers on our devices I think that the trend more recently for a softer touch yeah. where branded and music related content 
yeah. is, is in play. And that's right. They should let the music be the hero. Consumers, you know, they're smart enough to figure yeah. out. You've got, if you put yourself in the position of the fan, mm. it's bringing the fan closer to the artists they love. Consumers are quite happily prepared to look to be favorably disposed towards brands who yeah. do that the starting point is put yourself in the position of the fan don't shout too loud you've, you've got a wonderful property mm. when you work with an artist i mean you're the, working with with nick cave and people like that i mean these are really established big yeah, yeah. artists using artists in the truest sense, sense of the word but they could just imagine i mean I, I don't know nick cave very well mm. but i could imagine him eye rolling his way through meetings yeah. <laughs> like does he or yeah. well we'd very rarely look someone like nick it would have to be very specific. So, for example, if it had a social responsibility yes. angle to it. So, like actors it. that do ads for, you yeah. know, and they give the money to charity. Like a lot of the people that always ask me, why does George Clooney advertise Nespresso? And I go, well, yeah. he probably puts the money into one of his, his big charities. In, into his tequila that he just sold for a billion quid to uh, Diageo. <laughs> um, you know, or something like we're interested in co collaboration, where the artist has an input into the product line or the creative look of it. Every artist is different in what they will and won't do, but every clued-in music manager nowadays recognises that brand relationships are probably the second biggest revenue stream after touring. So the health of the industry that was based on record sales is now based on performance. You know, the big bands are making money by going back out on the road all the time. Little bands are struggling. Even if they break it big, they're still not selling a huge amount of records. But in the past, the big band success has fueled the up-and-coming bands. How does your company or your industry address that issue that there is still young kids today who want to become rock stars? I don't think anything has changed from years ago, which is... Real talent will always shine through. And it's all about the songs. If you've got the songs, of course you need good management and a good team around you to find an audience. But real talent will always shine through. But if you had like 20 million albums sold a year and today, whatever, 2 million or 1 million or so, Mm -hmm. there still is a problem with people carving a a livelihood out. I had uh, Gavin Glass Mm -hmm. on the show, who you know very well, recently. And he was just talking about... You know, he still plays O'Brien's every Sunday night to one man and his dog, and the dog is Gavin's. Mm. But, uh, but, but, uh, but, you know, he's been doing that for 12 years, and he's been yeah. eking out a library. He's making money in his in his recording studio. But yeah. it's hard for these... It's very hard. You know, it's, I mean, even if you have good songs. It is very hard, but Gavin is self-managed and self-promoted, and he's one of the hardest-working guys I know. Yeah. I mean, look, it's very difficult. There are routes sometimes with emerging artists, funnily enough, where brands can be the vehicle. So, for example... We do a lot of work with Burberry. They have these Burberry acoustic sessions. A video gets uploaded to YouTube. The money is nominal. But they have 17 million fans on Facebook. That's a valuable audience for an artist. So sometimes brands, or certainly like the broader issue of licensing, licensing for film, TV, is a valuable vehicle. Which was always there, but yeah. It's always there, but you've got to be organized. You've got to get your music to a sync agency who are the route to film producers, directors, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, so, perversely, it's ne- there's never been a better time to get great music heard. Technology distribution vehicles of yeah. YouTube and, and Spotify and all these things. I mean, you can get your music out there, but there's no real uh, yeah. real return. Well, winning an audience is, is the tough bit. You're, but you're right, the platform to get it out there yeah. has given emerging artists a, a lot better chance 
of breaking through. You uh, and I were in similar, when we left college that time, um, we both were in a Ireland in the 1980s, which was hard to get jobs, and we both got very low-level entry jobs into the ad business, mm. and we kind of followed reasonably similar parallel mm. paths until I buggered off to, to Singapore. How do you see that time from this part of your life? I really enjoyed my entry into the world of ad agencies. Yeah. It was a totally different time. There, there was, was no internet. <laughs> there was no internet. We were producing a lot of yeah, really great yeah, work. Yeah. Well, above being, average. Above yeah, average. Yeah. We were working with great people. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. The desire to do great work creatively was always there. We may not have ended up getting it signed off by the client in a lot of cases, yeah. but the desire to do We worked together with some great creatives. It was a great business. I really enjoyed it. I did get frustrated towards the end of my time in ad agencies with yeah. the business in general in Ireland and the way it had gone. As our friend Shane calls it, the puddle. Yeah. If you have big ideas and you have big ambition, it still gets tamped down out of you in Dublin a bit, doesn't it? Ah, oh, that'll never work. Oh, what do you, you know? I actually found that to a large degree when I set up on my own with the yeah. music brand partnership yeah. agency I just felt and to this day to yeah, be honest no, I am a you. very proud Irishman yeah. but I just felt uh, such a lack of foresight as to what role music could play yeah. for brands yeah. in Ireland you know when I started the business off I, all my work was over here in London yeah. um, so Gary had kind of left the ad business in Ireland around about the time I went I, mid 90s I went off and went to Asia or whatever Gary stayed at home and said and actually he set up a company that's not dissimilar from the company that he's working with now right I mean well yeah I was really the brands were my clients yeah. then now I've gone more to the artist side, although all my relationships are with brands. But you had now. relationships with fun-loving criminals and yeah, we, we, with we, Snow we, Patrol. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. My idea was to get to know brands, understand yeah. what they were trying to say, who they were targeting, and then find a music solution. Now it's understanding what the artist is all yeah. about. You did about 10 years of that, didn't you? Yeah, I worked in a great agency called the Larkin Partnership for a man we yeah. both know, Martin Larkin, yeah. who was a divisive character, but a brilliant character. Had a great job, but... In 2004, I had always been around bands, managed bands. Mm. A lot of my friends were musicians. And I just had this germ of an idea that I wanted to combine two sides. And Martin very kindly set me up with a meeting with Ozzy Kilkenny, who's U2's yeah. accountant. And I got his feedback on whether I f he felt this was a growth area, which he did. And I quit to set up on my own. It literally was move back in with mum and dad, yeah. <laughs> working out of the garage. But basically, was very lucky I got what you need when you start any business which is a portfolio of work together yeah. pretty quickly but it was all over here slowly but surely the Irish market came on stream and we started to get business less so from the agencies to be honest more yeah. from the clients direct yeah. we had a really good five six seven years mm. and that continued up until really the recession yeah. hit Ireland and brands were just doing pure maintenance yeah. doing anything with music was the last thing they were I mean, I, we were still in touch, and I mean, I know yeah. you, you were. You got caught up a little bit in the whole Celtic Tiger crap that was going on in Dublin. Yeah, I I call those the lost years. <laughs> I mean, essentially, what happened was that at the height of it all, I decided to open a bar with some friends and myself and my brother from New York and three other guys opened a bar in Dublin and very quickly opened a second bar around the corner from us. We also had a New York pizza joint. It was. A, an amazing experience but a big mistake for a couple of reasons one being that I did take my eye off the ball yeah. of my main 
company. This is something I really love doing. And two, that I got caught up in that very hedonistic kind of crazy lifestyle. Drugs, drink, it's your bar, you shut the doors yeah. at 1am and they're still... Till five. You stay there till yeah, 5. Yeah. Crazy, crazy In, in Dublin, known as the lock-in. I, I, Indeed. Of the disappearing beast, but you can still yeah, achieve it sometimes. A, if I had a pound for every time I fell out onto the keys of Dublin with the bright. sun coming up, <laughs> you know. But it was. But like you go, uh, you know, you were in that hole a little bit, but you were still enjoying it. Like thinking back, because it was what 15, 20 years mm. ago, and you did, you did fix yourself. But like, did you feel? Then that it was out of control, or did you just feel I'm I, riding the roller coaster? It's I, great. The thing is, when you're going heavy on anything, you're always in denial. Yeah. You're the last. Denial's per- a river in Africa. Yeah, yeah, you're the last person. You know, it's fine, and yeah. you know, I, and that's really why I was neglecting my business because I could still do it, but I wasn't getting up till lunchtime. Mm. You know, and it was, it was crazy, and I, I just had two people really close to me: my mom and one of my friends. Basically, and my, and my brother from New- yeah. it, to a degree, yeah, 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 yeah. To say this has to stop. I had, weirdly was hanging out with Nick uh, for a bit of that yeah. time as well because I was in New York and he yeah. was very worried about you because yeah. it was. Uh, I hear what you said. I I often like, I I drink mm. a lot. And, mm. I mean, I, I swore I wouldn't do mm. do drugs, and mm. you know, I pretty much have have kept to that up until you know maybe a little bit recently. It wasn't because I was anti that sort of lifestyle yeah. but I just felt I would get sucked into it because my, of my personality right and yeah. I also sort of feel like you, you still smoke you drink a lot and I mean I go off the booze even back in the old days yeah. for a, a month every year now yeah. I do two months every year just to make sure I never have to give up booze right because yeah. I'd hate to have to give up booze and yeah. I, I wouldn't have a pint with Shawnee B if I gave up booze <laughs> even if it was water <laughs> but uh, when you did knuckle down I mean what's interesting is the path of actually having that intervention or whatever you want to call mm. it and then realizing and saying to yourself because at some point you have to say to yourself right because you're the only one who can do it mm. can you remember how you approached that and um I, I can remember exactly what it was i was struggling to get work things were difficult which again was part of the problem of why you go overboard i was at home one day off a particularly bad come down yeah. and paul newman the actor had just died right and i was a big fan and I saw his daughter on TV. She talked about the camps that he set up in the States for yeah. the kids. I just on a whim felt, okay, I need to start getting my self-esteem back and doing something important. Yeah. And the next day I rang Barrettstown and explained to them, Barrettstown was their camp in Ireland, what I do and that I'd be interested in doing fundraising gig for them. And that gathered steam very quickly, and Sinead O'Connor agreed to do it, Shane McGowan, and yeah. all of a sudden, we had a real something magic. So Paul Newman set up a charity helping children with cancer, fa- and cancer like, like it. they were going yeah. to die. Yeah. So it was about maybe giving them just these amazing experiences. Yeah, Barrettstown was the first camp outside America. With childhood cancer now, there is a 90% recovery rate, because the medical treatment yeah. has come on so much. But look, I, so I, I I did it for very selfish reasons, which was yeah. I needed to get my mojo back. Well, it was a win-win reason. Yeah, and we, we took it on. We did it the first year in the Academy. It was 800 people. We did it in the Olympia second year. We took it to New York. Mm. We've raised over half a million euros now. Right. Which, and I've met a lot of the kids yeah. who go to the camp, seeing the difference the camp makes. Because they, these kids spend their whole time in hospital not being a kid and that's the main problem they get robbed of their childhood 
and it was very humbling. There'll be a link to Bardstown House uh, on the blurb of this podcast if any of you want to investigate it more and hopefully donate to it. You mentioned Sinead O'Connor. Actually, yeah. we're recording this interview a couple of weeks after Sinead O'Connor had her latest very public meltdown on Facebook. Oh, we're hoping she's okay. You know, and I have some friends who, who have got into trouble on booze and, mm. and other stuff, and there's just this kind of shame of, of hiding it. And yet when you want to talk to someone or you have friends you know most people I think are prepared maybe they can't be that helpful but they're certainly they certainly worry you know most of Ireland was very worried about Sinead O'Connor even mm. though she's she has some mm. mental health issues mm. as well but you know the fact that no one is properly looking after her is terribly shameful and, and having to dig yourself out of a hole on your own is, is very difficult the Irish are a, a race that everything will be grand have a yeah. cup of tea and we're not a race of until mm. maybe recently mm. of seeing psychotherapists yeah. or psychiatrists. So you felt that Barrettstown thing was the trigger that really made you feel good about yourself and pushed it. And then you got yeah. rid of the business, the restaurants and bar business, did you? Yeah, we did, yeah, which was a good thing. And that was a you victim know, of the collapse of, of our... Of the collapse. Yeah. And then we were, they were badly managed. Right, I okay. mean, <laughs> right. they could have been, ama- it could have been amazing. Yeah. But actually, it was good that it didn't go any further. Yeah. I hung on in Ireland for as long as I could. When it's your own business, you're very reluctant to let go. And just as I was back to let go, I got a million pound contract from Diageo right. in the States. And that brought me to New York for a year, which was an experience I kind of used to have a real love affair with that city because I've been going back and forth mm. for 20 years to see my brother. In fact, a pint with Shawnee B every uh, episode that is recorded in New York is uh, sponsored by your brother's bar. Correct. Hands, Correct. Tooth and Stitch. Fine establishments. Yes, yes. And uh, living there was a totally different experience. I kind of fell out of love a bit with the city. The work thing we were doing there was tough. You know, I came back from there and unfortunately I, I had to leave Ireland. And if I'm totally honest, looking back now, I'm in the wish I'd done it sooner bracket, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a sad reflection. Even though I left at 28, I wish I'd done it sooner. Yeah. You know, I wish I'd gone two or three years earlier. Yeah, I, I do still find that anything around creative industries and things like that, it can be difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair, the Irish industry or whatever and there's not a lot of money sloshing around because it's a very small population and we have always been under the shadow of what happens in Britain except except creatively we are a nation of playwrights and poets and musicians and and you talk about Gavin struggling there Mm. government funding for music is shameful yeah and they also took away the tax-free status for artists and Gavin made the the observation that it was like the Star Wars thing when the the walls are closing yeah. in on artists for a country that has writers and poets and yeah. the guy who wrote the greatest book of the 20th century and yeah. we just seem to take that for granted a bit and we ha- we certainly are not encouraging it even back to when we were growing up I think it's yeah and, but even if you look at modern Ireland and the music, music coming out of modern Ireland, and when I was growing up like I said I managed bands and the mm. level of talent was frighteningly good and it is still to yeah. this day what the government and organisations even like Tourism Ireland do to recognise that potential to market Ireland in a modern, contemporary way. Mm. They don't get it. I remember having four or five meetings with Tourism Ireland in New York, run by people basically out of touch with contemporary Irish culture. And yet we've got record numbers of tourists coming, so, you know, and Dublin Airport is clogged. 
it's not like that we've been forgotten. I think what, we, what you're saying is as an Irish person could do better, right? I, I think so. I think if ever a country needed a, a dynamic leader, we need one right now. Yeah. It's sure. positive that we have a 38-year-old prime minister now. And, it is great. You know, he also and happens he could to be, be gay and he also yeah. is an immigrant. And yeah. His politics are very conservative, but I think he's starting to listen. So you ended yeah. up then coming over here. You had a, a brief job at somewhere and then you mm. found this company. And you mm. seem really happy now yourself. I love it. I, uh, I absolutely lo- I get on the train in the morning looking forward to go to work, yeah. which is... Something you can't really put a price on no. when you're enthused about what you do. And you're a big Brighton fan. And they've you've got a seagull on your shirt, and they're the seagulls have, are yeah back back in the big boys league for the yeah. first time. And I went to the opening game against Man City. But I love London. I found my home here now. I've been yeah. here two years, and I just love everything about. Do you ever city. think you will go back to Ireland? No. Really? Okay. No, I can say that very definitely. I've ended up back there for the last seven months, and yeah. it's been interesting. I never expected to be back myself, but it's kind yeah. of it's weird. I'm still in that honeymoon period where I'm just discovering new parts of London every week. What um, do you feel is the difference between, say, Dublin and London? Certainly in business terms, there's just more of an underlying attitude here of let's do great things together. <laughs> let's mm. do great work. I mean, I've spoken to people on the podcast who been born and bred here and a few of them have said that a lot of what used to make London great is gone it's too expensive you can't live in the center of the city anymore it's been completely gentrified the expression of of the art it's all these similar kind of issues and I'm wondering if it's maybe not about one country or the other but the fact that capitalism and housing and Mm. trendy restaurants I mean, New York has the same issue, you know, where... where yeah, but you know, what New York doesn't have is it doesn't have the history, the level of culture. I think we're talking about a bastardization of recent history, 50, 60 years. I mean, people in New York would say the place was a better place when there was a body on every street mm. corner and, you know, it was edgy. And I mean, I don't mm. agree with that. I lived in New York for, for four years and I mm. was happy I was able to walk mm. down the street and not get mugged. I mean, I think uh, London as well... Do, they do so much with their green spaces and there's a lot of them every park has its own personality and they do a lot in the parks you know I mean it's it's, it's personal but I've always felt like cities should be like women it should be love at first sight and that's what it yours I I get that as well whenever I've travelled I mean there's cities I've gone to have gone could never live here it's not necessarily anything sort of from a privilege point of view it's just a vibe a city gives off you what about Brexit the big B word Riddled with confusion, I was delighted to see Jeremy Corbyn say that the rights of all EU citizens would be protected. That was one of the first things he put in his manifesto. He didn't get in. There's still a huge amount of confusion Mm. as to what it's actually going to mean for people. I've been here now two years. Uh, I have a Spanish friend. She's been here five and has actually now begun the process of applying for citizenship. I mean, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> I may be completely wrong here, but I have a funny feeling the whole thing is going to just peter out. They, they won't want to lose face because the British hate losing face, but they'll come up with some... It's not as if they have to get rid of their currency. Mm. They'll probably have a kind of a Sweden-like relationship with the, yeah. with the EU, and it'll be fine. I mean, look, I grew up with an English mother and an Irish father. We always used to take the piss out of the Brits basically yeah. and, you know and she'd stand up with the Union Jack for the hello Rainer if you're listening trooping of the colour hi mum you know and we'd all this sort of stuff this is a great country I mean even look at the underground it's a phenomenal feat yeah. of engineering yeah, like nothing yeah. else no I mean my country. my position on 
on the Brexit vote was a lot of the issues that were made issues were just bullshit. I have a very big problem with the EU. I think it's bloated. People say, oh, it prevents war from breaking out. I really did it. It wasn't yeah. so fucking hot when Yugoslavia was melting yeah. down and people were getting slaughtered there. Uh, America had to come in and fix that. It, it hasn't been great. It's got all these politicians, half of them don't turn up. They're mm. racking up expenses. Mm. And also the EU has been a 40-year steward of continued problems and inequality so when Corbyn comes out with his kind of manifesto about inequality being one of the things that needs to be solved and I'm not talking about communism I'm talking mm. about just fucking basically making sure everyone has a roof over their head yeah. access to an education they don't have to wait too long for health if I was voting in Ireland I would have voted stay in because we're too small but as you said I think Britain is a mighty country and has been for many years. It's got 65 million people yeah. in it. It can do its own thing. Yeah. And I think it'll be very successful at that. Yeah. My hope is that the whole palaver mm. uh, will will see a, a reorganized and restructured and, and, and a more flexible and more nimble and more effective union coming out that, that can you know not take 12 years to yeah. hammer out a trade agreement with yeah. America or whatever yeah. and, and maybe yeah. there could be something good yeah coming. I mean look it'll be interesting we are in a new world new world order in general things are changing at such a rapid pace I recently watched the Putin interviews with yeah, Oliver so Stone amazing amazing I mean, I'd actually be more comfortable with that guy running the world. Uh, anyone for who all. hasn't seen them, there'll be a link. But there's a uh, Oliver Stone did an amazing three-part documentary of for over three years. He just interviewed Putin. What was interesting about Putin was, I'm sure he doesn't get all the labels that are thrown at him for nothing. Mm. But he did seem to answer every question, even yeah. the ones about gay rights, where he's a bit dodgy yeah. on and stuff like that. And the most interesting thing was he said, we've been trying not to be the enemy since the collapse of the Cold War, but America wants us to continue to be the enemy for some reason. I can well, see well, the Well, the reason is that the amount that America spend on the military yeah. and their secret service, there has to be a reason to spend that amount yeah. of money. There has to be a big bad foe. Yeah. We were probably seeing some propaganda from the other side, yeah. but it was very interesting to see. I mean, I was just thinking, imagine if Putin was as hot ahead as Trump. Trump, we would have had nuclear war yeah. by now. He yeah. sits there and kind of he's raises his eyes and he goes, yeah. whatever. I mean, I wouldn't like to cross him. No, but, but he's very much Very so, interesting yeah. documentary. But Where uh, do you think the world's going, though? I mean, are you positive or optimistic? Uh, or ne- or that's negative? a big, good, big question yeah. for a podcast without a point in front of me. <laughs> um, where is the world going? I mean, I think it's changing rapidly. I, I, I would have concerns about the whole power of social media and the creation of disconnect from real-world conversations. And I think social media can be a really powerful vehicle used in the right way. And I think it's interesting where that's going to go. But, you know, the human race will always re-evaluate and realign themselves. I was saying to someone who I interviewed just earlier that there's so much shit going on right now. It's almost like something is telling us, okay, how about that? Okay, what about that? Mm. Okay, that. At some point... And it doesn't have to necessarily be pitchforks and flaming torches, but at some point, the humankind needs to go, okay, fuck it, etch a sketch, we've got to start again, we've got to fix fucking all these things once and for all. And actually, it's, it's all pointing to the need for, in my view, a new ism that you can throw the ills of capitalism, the ills of market yeah. being right, the ills of make money and trickle down bullshit economics and stuff like that at the problem. Mm. And you can see it being the problem with. Russia right now, you mm. can see it being the problem with climate change. Mm. You can you can see it being a problem with Brexit. You can see it being a problem with inequality, with homelessness, with everything. 
there needs to be some kind of new ism last question what would you say to your uh, the 17 year old that walked into the uh, rat mines college <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing we got that degree considering we spent the whole year in the bookies well, and the pool. Or the amazing thing is it wasn't a degree. Yeah, <laughs> a diploma. A diploma. The best gift you can give yourself is to find something you love and make that career. Because it's the most enduring gift and it will stick with you for life. Look, if you want to be a professional footballer, sometimes it's not going to work out. Yeah. In everything you do, you get knocks. But find what you're really passionate about and make that your life's pursuit. Of course, there'll be frustrations within it, but be the best version of, of yourself. You know? Wise words from my old friend Gary Cohen. Thank you for being on a pint with Shawnee B. Let's Thank go you, and Sean. have a pint now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs>